Hi everyone. So welcome to a podcast by Jade Lily. I am Cassandra. <laughs> I'm joking. My name is Jade. What's up? Um sorry if I'm looking, I got notes. Okay. I got notes. She she's coming prepared. But I wrote a book. It is called The Beach, and it's a collection of poems that I wrote. And so I decided that I wanted to start this podcast to kind of take some of these poems and just, we'll say, extrapolate them to have a little bit of a long-form discussion. Because some of these poems are short, but they pack a punch because I wrote them about a much bigger situation. And if you listen to me on, like, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, um, I hope that some of the things I say you can focus on, you can meditate on throughout the day, and also you can, you know, maybe come watch the video. And so if you're on YouTube and you're watching me, you know, hopefully sitting at home, chilling, get yourself a grilled dinner, open up a glass of wine. Nope, you're going to open up the bottle of wine and pour it into a glass. Um, I have pre-made old-fashioned. It's pretty watered down now, which is a lot better for my taste buds. Um, but... If you are watching me on YouTube, do not forget to subscribe. If you're watching me on any other podcast platform, don't forget to follow, like, you know, share, what, do all the things. Do all the things, okay? But like I was saying, I wrote a book. Oops, excuse me. Honestly, the book wrote me, okay? Um, and I'll get into the details of that later. Um, but I wrote this book kind of in an emotional time in my life <laughs> where I was purging a lot of stuff. Purging lots, lots of purging. Um, and there were times where I would sit down with the intention to write. Like, okay, I'm going to write today. And there were times that, let, let's say I maybe was, you know, sitting on my couch crying and decided, hmm, maybe I should go ahead and write about these feelings. Now, even though I wrote all of these poems months ago, there are still situations that come up. I say that as if it's been so long. There were poems that I wrote that, let's say, as I wrote them, I didn't understand why I was writing them. It was just a pick up your pen, write. And so I wrote them and was like, I mean, I guess. Okay. Now, some of those poems that made no sense to me back then are like, oh, got it. Got it. I would like to read some of these poems and kind of dive into it. Okay, so the first poem <laughs> goes like this. I can feel the threshold. I'm getting more and more uncomfortable. I feel the pressure building. I can see the shell splitting. Soon I will shine, sparkle, dazzle, and glow. I'll be reborn just beyond this threshold. I don't know why I said reborn like that, but whatever. But I chose this one because... I've recently been talking to people and it seems like there is a general sense of anxiety right now. And I don't mean like, oh, there's a collective anxiety because of bills in the housing market. I don't mean that. I mean like very individualized anxiety with whatever. So I personally have been feeling these feelings of anxiety and I, I say like, anxious anticipation it's almost like that feeling right before you have to go on stage or right before you have to give a speech or perform or something like that to where you're just like 
you know nothing's bad is going to happen, but you just, you want it to be over. You want to be on the other side of it. That's what I've been feeling. It feels like I'm literally standing in front of a threshold and I can feel that I'm about to walk through it, but for some reason I can't trigger it. It's like I'm living in this liminal existence. Like I'm not here, but I'm not there. I'm not a girl, not yet a woman, you know, like it's, <laughs> that's, that's really what I've been feeling. And some of y'all might be feeling the same thing. And so when I was trying to think through this, I thought of one thing first, which is probably, I'll say one of my longest standing anxieties or fears, which is being seen. Now it comes to being seen. I watched this video from this YouTuber. The takeaway from the video was your fear of being seen is holding you back. Your fear of being seen is holding you back. Now, this sounds almost like contradictory to how society works right now because so much of our life is social media. And I'm not saying that like everyone has to be on social media or that everyone is on social media. I just mean that like it's a very prevalent thing, you know. And also, just because you're active on social media doesn't mean that you're being seen. Let's go with me here, okay? There are plenty of people who have been in the spotlight, been famous, been whatever, who are just now letting themselves be seen. They're just now coming out. They're just now pursuing passion projects, or they're just now talking about their deep traumas that have literally affected everything that we know about them. And I'm aware that some of some of what I'm going to say is going to be very nuanced. So just just go with me, okay? Just just go with me. Just go with me. So I grew up as a musician. Played piano in church. You might not be able to tell that from now, but I did. I started playing about at 10, and I played trumpet in school. So I am literally no stranger to performing. I'm no stranger to being on stage. Now, I'm not like a theater on stage, but I'm, I feel pretty comfortable on stage. But the thing that gave me courage to go on stage was, <laughs> was the idea that I would be heard more than I was seen. I know that makes no sense. I was a kid. But what I mean is that like, when people would approach me about me performing, it was because of what they had heard, you know, the sound of the piano. It was not what I looked like or the perception of me visually. None of that came into account. It was all about being heard. That was very helpful for me as someone who maybe I went through cycles of not looking through into the mirror at myself for months at a time throughout most of my adolescence. Um, so it was pretty helpful for me that, you know, there are people who would celebrate me for what they had heard and not how they viewed me visually. A little bit more about me as a kid playing in church, right? One, I practice all the time. <laughs> I literally would come home from school and start practicing until the sun went down. The su until the sun went down. Sorry, I am Southern. <laughs> diction and enunciation um i would come home and practice until the sun went down literally until my parents would walk in and say like why are you sitting in the dark and i'd look around like oh i guess it is dark 
I was hitting that flow state hard, okay? And then number two, when I had to, for our discussion, we'll say be seen, but perform or play a song at church, I would have physio- physiological crashes. So like Sunday morning or Saturday night, I would be just a ball of anxiety inconsolable anxiety shaking everything sunday night i was sick fever chills the whole thing but even though the thing that got me on stage was the fact that i thought i was being heard more than i was being seen the idea and the i guess the the phenomenon of me being seen still had huge huge effects on my body and effects on me mentally and then as the years went on you know i had my struggles with being black being queer being black and queer um and my aversion to being seen just amplified okay i used to call myself in high school a social chameleon because it didn't matter the situation i could i could blend in this made me generally well liked i wasn't like someone who was a standout you know i wasn't super popular but like people knew me and not many people had something bad to say about me just because i kind of just blended in i was just one of those people that like oh you're kind of always there and you don't ruffle any feathers that was me okay i was afraid to be actually seen and once i got to college this all came to our head like i I don't think I've ever experienced social anxiety as much as I did in undergrad. Then I remember when my anxiety became a little bit too much to handle, I went to talk to a counselor on campus. His name is Jason. I do not remember his last name. I don't remember it. Um, he was great, though. Hey, Jason. Um, he showed me a video that literally changed my life. I'll, I'll say it changed the trajectory, the trajectory of my life. And it was a TED Talk by Brene Brown. That video was the point when I decided to change my major to start understanding my queerness and all all these things. Of course, it was a long road and I'm still on this road, you know, almost 10 years later. I would make my public speaking students watch it at the beginning of the semester because they would all be afraid of making a speech and what if people don't like what I have to say? What if people laugh at me or what are people, whatever. And I would make them watch this speech, make them watch this, you know, talk, a a portion of it. And I would talk about how when it comes to you wanting to connect with someone, whether it be in passing, a friend, a relationship, speaker to audience, you have to be vulnerable. You have to be authentic because otherwise there is nothing to connect to. And oftentimes, I've I found that when you are your most authentic, you will make connections that you did not even mean to make. That is the most important thing, is you being vulnerable, you being seen. But I, w- I was still holding a lot of myself back because being seen is hard. I, I, am, I am never going to be someone who's going to tell you that being seen is not hard. It is so hard. You're pretty much like... Hi, person. I do or do not know. Uh, This is who I truly am. Please don't use it against me and please don't hurt me or hate me because of who I am. Like it's it's hard. It's hard. I remember 
when I was like, okay, I'm going to be more vulnerable. I'm going to be more, you know, myself. I remember I made the mistake. Child, I remember I was like, I'm going to pray for discernment. Girl. Girl. Never again. Never again. Never again. Have you ever tried? Have you ever asked for something? For a quote unquote gift or asked for something like that that you wanted and then you understood the um the work that went into it. When I said I wanted discernment, I basically said, I know that I'm going to be going down this path of vulnerability. I know that I'm going to be sharing my parts of myself that I have not shared previously. And I wanted the ability to be able to see whether or not someone had my best interest at heart, whether or not they meant me any harm, whether or not whatever situation I was about to enter into was going to end up blowing up in my face. What I did not understand because I was a naive, I don't know, 19 year old was that, oof, it is almost 10 years ago, was that in order for me able to be, in order for me to be able to see a red flag from across the room, I would have to see and experience hundreds, if not thousands, of red flags. So I would know exactly what a red flag looks like. I didn't I didn't get that part. I've seen so many red flags. I've seen people who have come in my life like a literal angel. Like telling me everything that I could ever want to hear, the perfect things. And just wreck me emotionally. You want to know some of those red flags? Go ahead and go to Amazon, Barnes Noble, and get the beach. And I don't want to make it seem like this is something in the past. This is something I'm still going through. I no longer want to, you know, ooh, a red flag. Like, I'm not doing that anymore. We're, we're not playing those games. I don't have time, you know? So, like, if I see it, I see it. We're good. Um... But there have been times recently where I was just like, I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I can handle being lied to or gaslit or being told a false narrative anymore. I don't know if I can handle that. And then I just had to say to myself, like, when did you get so weak? When did you lose your power? You've been through this before and you made it through it. You've been lied to before and you made it through it. You've been gaslit, you've been hurt, you've been left, and guess what? You made it through it, and you continued on in life with nothing but love in your heart some of the times, but, like, you've made it through it. And also, you have an assignment to fulfill. I saw this video of Tabitha Brown, and she talked about being on assignment. It it just always seemed like there was something that set me apart from people around me and I, I need y'all to really go with me on this because I understand how ridiculous this is going to sound coming out of my mouth but we're being vulnerable here okay we're being seen here so don't judge me but I just always felt that there was like a specific purpose for me and this is not me saying that not everyone has a purpose everyone has a purpose but I feel like I've been aware of it a lot longer than a lot of people. What it is, I don't know, but I've just been aware that it's there. And so here, like, I have three things that let me know that, like, this was 
happening in my zeitgeist. This was happening in, you know, my little peripherals or whatever. We're going to start at number two. So number two is trauma dumping. And even as I say this, some of y'all are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. So trauma dumping. Ever since I was a kid, people would come up to me and just tell me stuff. It's not like, hey, my name is, and this is, you know, it wasn't like that. It was talking and people just opening up to me unnecessarily. And as I've gotten older, it's been, it's, it's good because I am able to create deeper relationships more quickly. Um, literally, if you talk to me, like we meet today and by tomorrow, I can tell you probably like three of your childhood wounds that you're still working through just because you've told me, not because I've asked, not necessarily just, it, it just, it is, I, I don't know if I have a disposition. I don't know if it's my face. I don't know. Let me look. Not this face. This face is telling you, leave me alone, girl. I don't know what it is, but people just be telling me stuff. I'm like, ooh, mm-hmm. And then your daddy did what? Ooh, mm-hmm. And then what we'll call number two is being approached, which is different from the trauma. Being approached, um, also since I was a kid, people have approached me flattering, in a flattering manner. Luckily, never in a harassing manner. As a kid, being a musician, of course, you get done performing and people are like, oh my gosh, that was so good, right? I could be in a group of people. I could not have done anything crazy during that performance, but people would come up to me and say something. Or they would come up to us and then say something extra to me. Like, I don't, I don't know. And I, I remember I would purposely, like, if... I performed with friends somewhere. Afterwards, if someone came up to us, I would purposely like withdraw from the situation because I just didn't want to even be in that position to where I get a compliment in front of my fellow musicians that don't get a compliment or like a, don't get a, a direct compliment. Like it, it, it made me uncomfortable. Legit, I just, it would make me make me so uncomfortable because... I could literally just be there, be there, just, just playing, doing no, nothing. And people are like, oh my gosh, you were so good. I'm just, okay. And even now, even now, like if I, if I go to the club, like if I go out for drinks, I go, like, I'm going to get approached and someone's going to compliment me. It, it just is what it is. And I, look, I'm not saying that I'm, I ain't saying I'm ugly or nothing, but I'm just saying like, dang. Come up to me more. But like, every time, every time, multiple people being approached, it's it's something that I've only recently have become okay with. Or I don't say become okay with, I'll say have accepted. Now, three, is the little voice this is very specific, okay? I don't mean the little voice of self-talk, of negative self-talk. This isn't the voice that makes you feel bad, okay? This is the little voice that whenever you have an idea or whenever you have a passion or whenever you have something that you want to do, this little voice that will make you understand the heft, the importance, the gravity 
of the thing that you want to do, it will make you understand it so well that you almost don't even want to do it. Now, it's not a bad thing. It's a bad thing if it leads you to inaction. But it's a good thing when... I mean, you don't want someone cooking you seafood without a proper understanding of foodborne illnesses. Right? You don't want someone preparing your food if they don't understand it. Like, oh, I could actually make this person very, very sick. It's the same thing as like these things that you want to do, these passions or these dreams or these aspirations. And that voice inside of your head is like, you are not ready because there is a lot more that you have to learn. There's a lot more that you need to prepare for in order to quote unquote do it right or to not go through it doing all the same, you know, shenanigans and tomfoolery that everyone else does. Those are kind of like those are like my three things that made me realize that like, okay, there's something here. Whether it's an assignment, as Tabitha Brown said, a purpose, as you know, some people say, uh, every walk of life has a different way to describe this phenomenon of being set apart, being something else, being specifically for you. And the things that you experience to let you know this may be totally different. And that is fine. That is wonderful. And it's wonderful that you know those things. But if you're unsure about this, like it's, you know, when there's like a thing you need to do and you know, you need to do it. And when you don't do it and you try to do other things, everything fails, everything fails. And you hear that voice in your head saying, well, that's because you should be doing this. Or you're doing a thing and that voice is saying, well, you should be doing it at this level because you know, you should be doing it at this level. If any of this resonates with you, I just, I want you to know a few things. First, you can be tired, okay? Is a-okay to be tired? Because doing things like this, being seen, is and can be exhausting if you're really doing it. And, you know, there are probably an extrovert saying, like, I don't mind being seen. I'm not talking about that. I mean, like, truly being vulnerable and authentic and just, like, pouring out parts of you. that you wouldn't normally want people to see that is very tiring especially when you're seeing it as a journey and not necessarily a destination when you're seeing it as this is something i'm consistently working at to consistently be more and more vulnerable or more and more seen it's tiring and secondly you can rest you should rest because there is no way for you to give more of yourself or more there's there's no way of you to give 100% of yourself if you don't have a 100% left. There's no way for you to give anything if the reserves are empty. So it's okay to rest and you should rest. But it is not okay to stop or to give up. You can't stop because someone's watching you. And I'm not talking about your friends. I'm not talking about your family. They probably are watching you, but you know how they say like your friends are not your customers? Same thing here. Your friends are not the ones that seeing you is important because they're your friends, whatever. It's the people you don't know. It's the people that have seen you in passing. It's it's that person from fifth grade that still follows you on social media and you're like, this person follows me still? Like, it's those people that are watching you. And what if, just go with me here, what if 
you not stopping is or will be the reason for that person not to stop or not to give up. What if that moment that you want to give up, the fact that you decided, no, I'm going to continue this thing. I'm going to be seen. I'm going to be heard is the thing that made someone else go, okay, I can do this because that person walked into this situation fearlessly and confidently. And you're like, girl, I was shaking my boots. It don't matter. They don't see that. I know the power that I have by literally just existing. I didn't used to. I know it more so now. And of course, as you know, I live more life, I'll become more aware of it or the power will change. But I'm aware of the power that I have by just walking into a room because not a whole lot of people look like me and not a lot, whole lot of people. There's not a lot of people like me. So I understand the importance. And also, I know the importance of it because I benefited from seeing people do it before me. I grew up black, queer, in the South, in the Bible Belt, religious family. The only way I made it through my teen years was because I was watching random 20-something-year-olds in L.A. do wacky things on YouTube. And that gave me just the little bit, little glimpse of hope that there are people out there that will love and accept and celebrate me and who I am or whatever that could keep me going. And so to that, I want to say your fear of being seen is not only holding you back, but it could also be holding someone else back. Your fear of being seen is not only holding you back, but it is also holding someone else back. Some of you might be here thinking like, you might be talking about this one thing, you might be talking about that thing. Do it, do the thing. Like Angela Bassett, and be heard, be seen. And if there's a reckoning, if everything comes crumbling and crashing down, refer to the assignment. Ask yourself, what was the purpose of being seen? What was the purpose of me doing any of this? Refer to that. And I'm not saying that any of it is going to be comfortable because you're going to get pushed. You're going to get pulled. You're going to get tested. All of that. But refer to the assignment because it will guide you. The thing that made you jump over the hurdle to be seen in the first place is the thing that will allow you to keep being seen a decade later. And I'm speaking from existence. I'm not existence. I mean existence too. I'm speaking from experience. That's what I mean. I'm speaking from experience because this exact same thing I'm telling you, the thing that keeps me going, that allows me to keep being seen is what I told you. The fact that somebody is watching and waiting to see if I will give up. Because if I give up, then they give up. And I'm not just based now off of nothing. There are plenty of people who I have literally have never met. I wouldn't sorry to this man do not know them come up to me like oh my gosh i've missed seeing you girl who are you who who are you who who are you do not know them do not know them but it makes me lets me know that someone's watching in the best of ways in the most hopeful of ways so be seen be heard be felt take up space that was all i have for this episode and I promise they're not all going to be philosophical like this because I have some stories that I want to tell y'all because, baby, 
child, the tomfoolery, the shenanigans, the the Jill dancery. I said that today. I don't know what it means. Until then, go check out the beach on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. My brain skipped a little bit. I mean, I I wrote I wrote the damn book, and I still go back and read it because. There are just moments that I, I need to hear something. I need to hear a certain word or a certain affirmation. And I will go back and read it like, yes, there are there's some good things in here. So go out there, be great, do great things, be seen, and lead with love. Everybody say love. Come back for our chat next week. Same day, don't know the day, same time, I don't know the time. We'll, fig- we'll figure all that out. Whenever you saw this is the next, come back the next time. And, and I'll be here talking about something else.